Hey everyone, welcome to Project Esports for May 6, 2019. As always, I am your host, Andrew Nimsgern, coming at you each and every week for Project Esports on twitch.tv, popped underscore off, alongside James Graham and Dylan Beal. How are you guys doing today? Do you want to start or am I going to start? How are we going to do this? It's a lot. It is a it's lot. Just, it's been a lot. We... For, all our list- for No, 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 no. I'm, taking, I'm hijacking you right now, man. For all our listeners who are listening to us tomorrow, um, Andrew, for what we've discovered is the last, last probably last year and a bit. Since oh, probably two years. Probably two years. Um, didn't understand that five, being on a 5G network was not as effective as being on a 2G network. So we've been running on scuffed internet. Wrong way. Whatever. So I've been he streaming thinks- on a 2G internet, and I'm, yes. and I'm lagging in the pre-show. I'm like, do you guys think if I switch to 5G, it'll be better? I didn't. And we are very upset. There are several things wrong with that. First of all, not on 5G. Second of all, not on Ethernet. Okay, okay you're on Wi-Fi, aren't you? I'm a, well, I'd have to stream an Ethernet corridor to the other side of the house. Yeah. Sacrifices must be made, Andrew. That's what you do. When I was living at home, I had like a 100-foot cable that just stretched across the I house. I do have a 50-foot like, cable for in my video closet. games. <laughs> you have to explain to your parents, dude. I've heard you how you talk to your mother. She'd be fine with it. So before this goes too down a hill and I just get insulted for the rest of the episode because chat's mad at me. You're both mad at me. I mean, James had technical issues, too. So let's not all bring this around to me. But <laughs> not 5G issues, though. That not is not issues. what we're here to talk about today, because if you don't know, Project Esports is a weekly talk show. where We talk about the biggest stories, opinions, interviews, articles, whatever we want about esports. We give our opinions on it. We give a little more context about it and we talk about it. And with that, we don't really have any housekeeping today. So our first two stories are going to kind of be follow-ups from last week. So last week, we talked about two big ones. I'll kind of let you guys fight over which one you want to do first. But we talked about Rick Fox having troubles with a racist uh, stakeholder. And then Riot Games having a walkout today. So both of them are relevant because there have been updates to both. So which one do you guys want to start with? We'll start with Rick. Leave with that. Yeah, go for it, James. Cool. All right. So, yeah, follow up to last week. Um, Andrew kind of summarized what happened, what was going on. Rick basically was subjected to racism from a fellow shareholder. Um, Turns out that uh, this was, like, well-known and documented and stuff like that. It was used in emails and uh, a bunch of other stuff. So Rick Fox basically came out to the media. I think the report done on – it was actually done on TMZ. Which is not. Which is weird. We don't usually reference TMZ on the show, um, but it came back. So yeah, TMZ basically said that he was like, "Yo, I'll uh, I'll come back if this particular investor basically gets the axe." Um, and then he finished the article with "Get help." Um, the uh, it was confirmed that like this particular investor, I I'm even if I don't remember his name off the top of my head, and if I uh, Amit Rezada, I believe is the is how you pronounce his name? Um, is the one was the one using the racial slurs and the language and everything like that. Um, and then to add to this, to add to the ridiculousness of this, there was an article that surfaced, um, basically praising Amit for his uh, success in esports and everything like that. Basically, kind of seeming like it was almost done as a promotional article article for himself by the. Uh, the, the press release content from Access Wire, who is, I guess, um, I guess kind of like he's a part of them or he's a, what's the word I'm looking for? Associated with them. There we go. So it, like, it was basically just like a pump up piece about him. 
So uh, we haven't had any update basically on what's going on with this particular shareholder. We don't know if anything's if anything is going to happen to him, but basically it's basically it's Rick or Amit, and that's really it. And in this situation, you have to think they'll find a way to keep Rick and get rid of him. I mean, he's the, the face of the, he's the face of the brand, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it's literally named after him. Yeah, I mean, it, I I don't even know what to say because it seems so straightforward. That Rick says, I, I don't want to sleep. This isn't just an excuse for me to get out of the organization. Yeah. I want to say we just need to get rid of him. I feel like that's pretty cookie cutter. There's got to be some ways that he he probably broke some kind of culture law, some kind of things like that, and that they could buy back that portion from him. They can force him out or not allow him to be affiliated and make any decisions but still own his stock. Like There's some way where they can get rid of him. I am not a legal expert. I don't know the contracts, but there's got to be some so, way to make it work. So it literally, Rick is literally quoted in the TMZ article saying, unfortunately, in America, racism isn't illegal, so we can't legally do anything against it. And so I'm assuming they've already looked into some of that stuff. And that's just it. You can't really uh, you can't sue. You can't remove the guy from the company for being a bigot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you got to think there's. I don't 100 percent agree with that, but I also got to think that I, I, I have faith they're going to find something. I think I, I like I, I think they will try and find something. To, I think they're going to try to just buy it from them, and that'd be the best way because if Rick Fox leaves it, the stock and the value of this company is going to take a dramatic hit, which is well, what no known, investor be, wants. Yeah, they'll be known as the racist team. Like that's just it. Like that is not an image you want in any any professional realm whatsoever. Don't do, I kind of talked over you there for a second. No, no, no. Yeah. I agree with all of them. I mean, like it's definitely not some like a legality issue, but like there's gotta be a contract somewhere like within like a, some sort of clause that they could um, force, force a buyout from him or something. That's yeah. That's the only reasonable step I can see going. And uh, I imagine it's going to be some for some, gargantuan over the top price because he knows he's got their like their balls and advice right now. So so we'll see. I mean, again, this was just a follow up. I think catching up, talking about what has changed in the last week is good. But more than likely by this time next week there'll be another change of how this happens. So unless there's anything else, I think we all think it's a pretty straightforward decision for Racket Fox is just deciding how they're gonna do it. So if we have nothing else, I guess we can kind of move over to the other update that we have from you, Dylan. Yeah, so today, and I guess right now technically, is the riot walkouts um, that all the employees are doing. Uh, So a couple scattered updates from it, um, because there's a lot of smaller points, I guess. So one, um, Riot already came out and said they're not firing anyone for doing this. Um, It's, I guess, the majority of employees are doing this, like everyone is doing it. Um, New employees in their contracts are not going to have arbitration in it. So any new contracts with Riot going forward are, is not going to have it. And I'm not 100% sure how accurate this is, um, but I've heard, I've heard that... Through the grapevine. Yeah, through the grapevine, that um, after the current lawsuit, everyone's contracts are going to, going to get looked at again. And if they get looked at again, then arbitration will be taken out of them. Interesting. So they're so, going to... 
they're going to reassess 4,000 4, yes. different contracts? Yes. Jesus, okay. Um, and Why so do they almost the, have to at this point? Yeah, and yeah. the big, the, but the big issue is the current large lawsuit that's going on is still there's still arbitration with it. So this isn't really, I don't want to say this isn't changing much right now, um, but it's only changing things going forward. The huge big issue with the sexual harassment lawsuit is still going on and it is still in arbitration. So that huge big bad thing is still lingering there. Um, so I hope that the I hope people don't get too complacent within it because it sounds really nice that going forward there is going to be a change um, with the arbitration uh, contracts, but there is still a lot of uh, bad stuff going on. So hopefully, you know, the workers push back even further and fix it. And I guess just keep looking for updates. Um, we might hear a few things at the end of today, Monday, uh, five, six. So there might still be some updates going forward. Um, so I'm, I'm sure we'll tweet out or retweet something about that. Yeah, I did see floating around on Reddit is that that riot in because it was only in L.A. that the the walk was happening. Like this isn't globally. This is only specifically to the L.A. branch um, that they rearranged pretty much the day's schedule so that employees who could want to walk out could and they wouldn't be losing company time. I did see I did see that on a Reddit article. We can kind of I'll, I'll track that down and it'll be linked in the uh, it'll be linked in the roundup at the at, like as it goes up tomorrow. But yeah, it was basically it was and it was around a hundred people apparently out of the four thousand globally. So I don't know how many are specifically in the LA branch. I'm assuming it's a fair bit, um, given that you know that's where they're based out of. That's where you know that's where all, all our esports happens and everything like that. So it'll be kind of interesting to see. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's still not I mean, I think in a large office, 100's not that many people. Like I know it sounds like a lot, but if you have an entire office building, that's that's like maybe maybe the development team like like yeah. in terms of size. Like Andrew, you could probably speak a little bit better to this. Um, but I know uh during my day job, we work in a smaller office that's like one floor and not really big. It's just in a singular suite. And we have like 100 people in there. It's, it's like not a ton. Yeah, I mean, so first off, how they're doing this, like I said last week, it was arbitration was already in their contract, so there's no way they're getting out of this. Like this walkout can bring attention to that, but um, there wasn't anything. So I'm happy to see that they're going to go back and any updates or any kind of pretty much any reason that someone may have rather said um being hired onto a new position or kind of being promoted or anything kind of like that, they'll have their contracts be done, but it'll be a very long time before even those 100 people have their contracts being negotiated. It's just a slow legal process, and that's just how it works. You have a contract you sign to, you have to commit to what you do. So that's not surprising. I'm glad that Riot has said that they're going to make that change going forward. That is a really big thing, so the walkout was not for nothing, obviously. But for the people that are working there, they a lot of them still will have to deal with what they have. Just changing that many contracts legally is a lot of work. Yeah. You know what I would like to see? What would be very cool? I mean, get the K comrades going on in chat right now, but um, it would be very nice to have uh, an actual strike going on, uh, not only with Riot employees globally, um, but with players too, with the employees asking for players to stand in solidarity with them. That would be really cool. Um, I'd like to see that, especially since this is really heinous things that they're doing. And 
I mean, we talked about it last week. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but obviously this is just like a company doing, you know, dumb corporate stuff, um, putting their employees down and um, exploiting them heavily. I'll stop there. (laughs) I'm sure you definitely will stop there until next week or the next thing comes up. But no, I, like I said, and even when he kind of went back, because yeah, I mean, a hundred out of 4,000 isn't that, but it's still a very, I mean, we just realized how bad the company culture was. Obviously, they're trying to make steps to get better, but you got to think, not a lot of people are going to want to step out against the company. I mean, I, I, even if I had gone through all of that, I'd struggle to step out and stand up against that. Just kind of the person I am. And I feel like a lot of people in the game industry, it's a little bit of a trope, but a lot of people are still more introvert than extrovert in the games industry. And not a lot of them are going to want to go out and step that far out and put their foot out for fearful of repercussions, even though they said that nothing's going to happen. So I'm sure a lot more than the hundred wanted to, but that's just how company yeah. culture works. And it is really bad that everyone has to worry about repercussions uh for workers standing up for their rights if only there was something like uh, a union uh for game developers or anything i shouldn't have brought oh, this no. up. that Why would make you... that would make sure that that doesn't happen well i kind of like i was just gonna add to it like i mean we know we know we know gaming jobs are like they're pretty frivolous enough as it is right like they kind of come and go pretty quick and i mean a lot of people know why it's not going anywhere for a hot minute so once you have that job secured even if you are getting harassed like well it's a steady paycheck you know what i mean so i can see why a lot of people are like yeah fuck this i'm not i'm not i'm not risking my job you know what i mean but at the same time i definitely don't blame them for being like well fuck this i don't want to deal with this anymore (laughs) yeah it's doing something no matter what you've been through is always so much harder than actually doing and following through on it so if any updates or anything again this was just a quick update we don't want to spend too much talking about it because we have a lot more going on um, but yeah, if anything else does kind of come up, we'll bring it up if anything happens over the next week, but seems to kind of be a little step going forward for good things for Ryan employees. But again, only so much can happen for what's been in the past and steps are being made the least. But with that, let's kind of move over to something a little more hopeful. Good. I, I guess it's just kind of more news than anything. So it's not like something I, um, jump for joy about, but We've talked about it here a couple of times now that Call of Duty has officially been announced that they're going to be switching over to franchising and that it's going to be a model very simple, similar to the Overwatch League, considering it's Blizzard Activision, and that the Overwatch teams are going to be the first ones to have access to getting these spots um, for the upcoming league. And the first five have been announced, all five of them, OWL teams, obviously. And it's going to be Atlanta, um, Dallas, which is Envy. Um, New York, which is NYXL, Paris Eternal, and then Toronto Defiant, which is also Slice. Splice. Oh, my God. Splice. Yeah. So we do have the first five Call of Duty teams announced, which means probably more announcements coming up, which means we're going to have the whole thing, which happened two years ago with the Overwatch League, where we're waiting on a team announcement. Maybe Chicago is going to get a team. Um I don't know. I, I'm just excited whenever these new leagues kind of happen because we've been waiting so long to hear more about this. We had to go through one more whole season of uh, this kind of traditional Call of Duty model. And I don't know. I love franchising. I love the idea of teams, of geolocated teams, which I'm sure they'll try to do for the Call of Duty League as well. But what do you guys kind of think about these first five teams being announced? Any hype kind of building up for the Call of Duty League since it's starting to get a little more close? I think the one really good thing about this, especially with the geolocated teams, 
is that teams who invested into local arenas can hopefully start doubling up on their esports. So not only having Overwatch there, but Call of Duty there, because I know there's a lot of concerns with you know attendance and all that. Um, but hopefully that the overlap between games isn't so great that you could have multiple games there and hopefully it fixes some of the ticket sales. It fixes some of the uh, income income streams. I know a few of us were worried about. I'm excited for us to get COD crowds on a regular basis. uh, They've they've proven to be quite lively. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, and and I guess I didn't even think about it. I'm usually the business guy, Dylan, and that was actually a really good choice. I said, yeah, geolocation probably happened and makes sense to have those teams kind of cross over. I'm assuming we'll see more. So it looks like they're going on the city-based teams as well. So it makes me curious of, I mean, obviously 100 Thieves just won the CWL London and teams such as that, how some of them, if they make these kind of connections with Overwatch teams already and then just kind of merge brands there, it'd be curious to see how some of those teams kind of come in or even FaZe is a very big um, FaZe and Optic are both big Call of Duty fans. Obviously Houston is an Optic down there, but I'm curious to see what, teams that aren't in the Overwatch League right now may have a chance to kind of come over and if there's more Overwatch teams come over because obviously I'd love Immortals I'd love some of the other teams from Overwatch League to come over but it's coming we have no more news about when it's coming but we got five teams announced that's something for Call of Duty and I don't know Call of Duty was one of the first esports I kind of recognized growing up so it'd be cool to kind of get back to the point where I'm watching it directly I'm sure there's other stuff to watch but there's a lot of other stuff to watch, but it's going to be easier for like if you're a fan of the franchise to, of course, <laughs> uh, to like um, to, to have another team to rally behind. You know what I mean? Like you're you can become a fan, a franchise fan, fan. Oh my god, fan, franchise fan. There we go. Uh, like you know, so you can and it can encompass a bunch of esports, not just just not just one. Right? It's going to kind of suck if you like. You're the roster for your COD team goes to a team that you don't like for Overwatch, but it's a nice, it's a good branding strategy between the two, between the two esports for everybody to be kind of condensed. Yeah, Dylan, do you have any last five points? We have one more Call of Duty story to kind of talk about there, but any last things you either one of you guys want to talk about the league before we kind of switch over to the next one? I'm kind of excited to see some of these old school esports come back around now. Um, I was actually watching a Halo 3 montage video what? by Straight Ripping. Uh, yeah, by Straight Ripping. Straight uh, Ripping? Fam- oh my god. Yeah, they were a famous uh, uh, Halo 3 team back in the day. And it just kind of got me excited again for some old school shooters. Um, excited for maybe Call of Duty coming back again. I know I've been like, I guess the most anti-Call of Duty person on, on the show, but I'm kind of excited about it now. Like, uh, kind of sparked that again because I remember playing Call of Duty back in the day and I, I hope it's going to turn out well. I'm going so, to a Halo 2 night on Friday, and I'm very excited. God. Ooh, yeah. the best one. Um, but that's actually something kind of off topic um, there. But for Halo shooters, first off, Halo Esports is kind of on the upsurge with Infinite coming up. Not on the upsurge, but it's talked about more. Like, it's kind of coming back a little bit. I wouldn't say it's yeah. growing, but it's talked yes. about again, at least. And Halo Infinite is coming, so there might be that. But also, um, there's a beta this weekend for it, and it's coming up for May 22nd. We saw it at PAX a little bit, but Splitgate? which is pretty much Halo multiplayer with Portal 2 portals kind of uh, mixed together. Got a chance to play a little bit of that there. They have talked about the competitive side of that. It's going to be free to play. So who knows? You might see a little bit of competitive coming out of that, especially with the Halo players. It feels just like Halo if anyone does enjoy that. But I, I also saw another uh, game kind of up and coming and, you know, 
not the same kind of genre, but very close. It's like an arena shooter. It's called Quantum League. Um, yeah, it looked really good. Um, I really, I really wish we'd get some streams uh, from people playing it because it looks so good. I mean, if only someone had like codes to actually play the game in stream. This is why I don't reply to anything you ever send me, Dylan. You don't reply to his DMs, dude. Stunts like this are why I don't. We'll talk about that later. But we do have one more Call of Duty uh, story to talk about before we get into personal matters. Um, But so the Call of Duty World League London event happened this last week, and we talked about it a while back, kind of leading up to it. Um, We're not going to talk about who won. 100 Thieves does. Congratulations to them. But that's not what we want to talk about. But kind of the thing I want to get more about is replays or restarts and things such as that as matches. Um, because in one of the matches between FaZe and LG, Illuminosity Gaming, in the loser's bracket, it was um, a tied series. It was going into a map. It was a control map. I'm not going to kind of explain it, but pretty much it was to a point that if you capture the point, they would have won 3-2. But, or if you kill the other team, you win that map as well. But how it works is the two players went to capture the map. They captured the point, but at the exact same second, both players were killed. So FaZe should have won because they captured before they were killed. But Luminosity Gaming ended up winning because there was a bug in the game, which even though they died afterwards, LG ended up winning. So it was a big controversy. The refs went back and watched it. And they said, this was a bug. But we're going to go with what the game ended up saying. So the question that I want to ask is if there's some kind of controversy or in-game bug that is not controllable by the players and not being like abused or something kind of like that, should things automatically be restarted? I mean, if something like this was to happen in a league or an Overwatch League match, like if there's some kind of weird bug that caused some kind of controversy. Do you think in any esport that it should just go back and be replayed or that they should just go with whatever the game says? It's really tough. It's really, really tough uh, because the question is, when did the bug occur? When were they actually able to catch it? What kind of bug was it? Like I, this is, I think one of the few extreme examples that we've seen. I know bugs have come up before, but this is for sure like the biggest one um at least like you know it's like bug happens it's literally the game deciding thing like it sucks uh i don't know it's really tough because like what do you say there you have to replay the entire game again the, the final well, game just the map yeah well yeah no i i i agree i think i think at least doing the map rather than taking the bug result might be best um but i don't know it feels yeah. bad either way because it's it, it's one thing if um, say in league, right? Um, I know there's been bugs before, but like something happens, there's a huge bug that happens. Players call for a pause. They review what happened. They go, yeah, this is a bug right here. Let's just rewind to right before it happened and continue the game there um, from the current score. That's one thing, but playing the whole map over again, that does feel bad. But then again, losing to a bug does also feel incredibly bad too. So it is it is really hard, I think. Yeah, and games have been restarted. I remember we talked about on the very first day of the LEC, a game that was 10 minutes in was, or 20 minutes in was restarted because of some kind of in-game bug that caused unfair advantage. I don't remember exactly what happened, but they, or they, was, they just uh, couldn't reconnect and they went back and restarted the entire game. Yeah, it was SK and Fnatic and they actually restarted. They redid the entire game, went back to champ, selected the whole damn thing. Um, but yeah, I think 
I think this is something that if 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 a game is going to be developed for esports or have esports capability, I do think a rewind mechanic should be something that the developers really look into and invest time into because you run into stuff like this and it discredits the like the company who made the game, right? Like, I mean, in the specific tweet that uh, Slasher put out in regards to this incident, um, he didn't he didn't say that you know LG screwed over Phase. Um, he basically said that uh, Treyarch screwed over phase, yeah. which re- resulted in in LG winning, right? So, I mean, like the developers got to think, kind of think ahead and address these things so they don't happen again. Yeah, and like LG even said, some people, some players and coaches of the team uh, putting out is like, we didn't have a decision. We couldn't even say if we wanted to redo the map. We couldn't. They told us we won the map and we moved on. Like we had no say in it. There wasn't a conversation. The refs made the decision and they moved on. Fans very much were happy about it. These last couple of weeks have been great for esports fan, but the fans ended up chanting "fuck you, LG, fuck you." So there was a lot of controversy, and I don't feel like it should be LG that is taking the brunt in situations like this. You should never be blaming one team or the other. You should always be looking at the developer, the organizer, or anything kind of like that. It's an in-game bug. It was some weird line of code that will probably never happen again, or happen very, very far and few between, so it's hard to blame anyone here and there. I think just going forward, understanding what is going to be the best way to handle it, because I feel like going with a result of what the game says, when the game caused that result to be unique, doesn't seem fair. So I think rewind, or even restarting in situations where you can't rewind it, Call of Duty matches are much shorter than League matches. I feel like going back and restarting that would, in this case, would be the better option, but it was a loser's bracket. It wasn't like it was for the championship or anything kind of like that. But there wasn't a president sent set. And I think that's what I want to get out of this more than anything is that understanding what's going to happen because video games aren't perfect. Bugs happen all the time. Anything else you guys kind of want to add on to that? Fuck you, LG. Fuck you. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you're not a fan of big corporations. So why don't you tell people how they can take some money back from Amazon? Well. If you want to take some money back from Amazon and give it to give it to your boys, you can subscribe with your Twitch Prime membership. It's free if you have Prime. Everyone has Prime. That's why Amazon's so big right now and exploiting its employees because everyone has Prime. So might as well just help us out a little bit by taking that exploitation and, you know, some would say redistributing that wealth that Jeff Bezos has and giving it to us. That's good praxis. I made a mistake. I apologize. <laughs> Never let him do it again, man. Nope. That is his last time ever getting to do that. But no, but really, each and every month, it does not auto-renew. You can just go up, push this cry button up there. If you have Amazon Prime connected to the Twitch Prime, gives a free uh, subscription each month. Even if you're not giving it to us, give it to small content creator because it does mean something, and it does not automatically renew. And it's something you get for free by being a Twitch Prime member. So do make sure to go and do that. But with that, I want to hand it over to you, James, to talk about the Dallas Cowboys 2.0, also known as Complexity Gaming. Yeah, so Complexity Gaming went through a big-ass rebrand because they are owned by the Dallas Cowboys. They're actually owned by the man who owns the Cowboys. I think it's – I can't remember his name for the life of me. Um, But, yeah, Complexity Gaming basically just became the Dallas Cowboys of esports. Their logo is literally the same. Very similar. I wouldn't say literally. It's it's pretty much – It's a star. it's the star. It's the same color. It's just got two lines in it in a different area. Um, 
complexity is is like a very like storied esports organization. They've been around for years. They've been in, they've had their hands in pretty much everything. Um, I remember them when they were back in league, and there was actually they had two teams. They had complexity black and complexity white. Like I mean, they've got they got they've been around forever. Um, but yeah, they went through this massive rebrand, and now they're uh, again literally the Cowboys of esports. It's a slick logo. Like I mean, I saw their jerseys too. They put those out as well. They look really nice. Um, I think for I think and I think you know what I think this is smart. I think we talked about this a lot when we talked about the Dignitas rebrand like ages ago. Um, teams that have been around for so long that you know were really on the grassroots of esports. They, you you kind of got to get with the times. You got to try and keep, keep up with the guys like Hundred Thieves and stuff like that, who put so much emphasis into style and aesthetic um, that you really need to you know like sharpen yourself up. I think like. There's very few teams around these days that have kept with like their OG logo from way back in the day. I mean, I think TSM, CLG, uh, Evil Geniuses, Fnatic, like some of the storied ones are still there. Uh, Astralis, but I mean, like a lot of other guys, they're trying to like. I think I think it'll, it'll come with time. I think we're going to see a lot more of this, or they're not they're not outright fully rebranding, but they're modernizing. So they're or at least finding a way to modernize the brand. So I'm a I'm a Packers fan. That's traditional sports. It's not really a thing to go with it, but obviously I'm not a fan of the Cowboys. But I don't want to be biased in that. But what do we feel about traditional sports teams coming in, purchasing interest? Obviously they have not maybe not controlling share, but major interest in with that and all that kind of stuff, and pushing teams towards rebranding to be more on par with traditional sports brands. Obviously, like you said pretty much the Dallas Cowboys of the eSports is what they look like now. The colors vary the same and all that kind of stuff like that. I mean, does this set a bad precedent precedent of teams coming in and just using it as an extension of the branding? Obviously, like the 2K League is an exception because that's for that reason. Like there are some exceptions here, but let's say the Packers went in and bought FlyQuest and FlyQuest changed their logo to look just like the Green Bay Packers. Like, Obviously, it's an extreme situation. It doesn't make as much sense. But do we worry about that at all with traditional sports, seeing that as just a way to extend their logo to a different demographic? Well, okay. so how do you feel about um, Overwatch League, Optic picking up the Outlaws and then like branding them kind of around the Optic look, the green and black? How do you feel about that? It was a new brand. Mm -hmm. It was a, it wasn't an established brand. It was an, it was a new brand that they got to pick. No, 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 no. But like they took previous branding and built upon it. Like yeah, they have a new logo and stuff. But like it's still the same. It's optic colors. Like and they're and they're building upon that brand and having at least callbacks to it. I just what feel I'm like asking is that's a different. Situation. Um, what I'm asking is a little bit, but I'm asking how far is too much. Like I, I guess in in complexity, it it is like very blatant Dallas Cowboys look. Like, it's very blatant. What I'm saying is, like, is there a middle ground? Can they maybe keep the colors? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So what I'm saying is, like, how far is a little bit too far? I guess. You got you to gotta kind of watch the reasoning, too. Because, I mean, like, in the in the article, um, they quote it. They, they basically, like, they say the star kind of represents the three, the five C's of complexity's brand pillars. I'm sure Competition, community, culture, cause, and convergence. Oh, so I you mean everyone's like just, five C's? 
That's so dumb. No, honestly, that's yeah. dumb. Yeah, I, know. I mean, I, I personally don't like it. I think it's dumb that they're taking an already established brand and basically just doing the same thing. I don't think it's good. Like, you, you don't do that with, like, farm teams, really. Like, the, the most, I mean, some farm teams do that. Um, I know the Yankees uh, farm team is, like, it's something it's something stupid, but it's basically just the Yankees. Um, same with the Boston Bruins. The Boston yeah. Bruins is, like, the same thing. But I, I do like when they do, like, little, like, meme stuff, you know? Like, it's a callback to the, the other branding, but, like, in a d- different light. I think that's kind of okay, but, like, just don't make it the same thing, you know? Yeah, like, what's the, there there yeah, is what's no five Cs of complexity. Like, n- stop. <laughs> What's the what's the Gladiators farm team? What are they called? Legion. The Legion. Um, Legion. Yeah. So I mean, like, it's like kind of like paired branding, right? Which I'm not. I'm not totally. I'm not totally against. The big thing that the the leadership behind the Cowboys slash complexity is they want their players to be treated like professional athletes. That's what their big thing is they're trying to push. I know we are getting a little branding of one and the other, but there is some pros to that. You are getting. You're like, okay, these guys are literally directly associated with the Dallas Cowboys. We we know they're a storied they're a storied sports brand. We probably should treat their esports players like that too. You know what I mean? Well, I who? do think. Uh, pardon? Who's going to treat them like that though? Who's going to think so, that? <laughs> who? No, because I, I mean, man, if we're talking about the esports community, like these, that thing these, is not important to us. No, no, no. The esports community is not important. But I think if you were to associate your Dallas Cowboys fans and they want they're into esports they're getting into esports and stuff like that and they see a brand directly associated with their team like i mean it's kind of like we talked about with like uh, with franchising and uh and you know like the call of duty teams you're kind of incorporating everybody into one big brand right so like i mean i don't i like do i think it's a bit of a cop out kind of but i don't think it's totally negative either i i agree i agree with the points that you bring up it's not totally negative but like I think the advantage of using a team like the Dallas Cowboys or something and the advantage we saw a lot with the Overwatch League is the fact that they're regionally based. I know I have a ton of fans or a ton of friends that are fans of New York Excelsior because they're a New York team, not because of any of their associations with like bigger teams or whatever, but because they're a New York team. They like them because they're New York. You live in Texas. You're going to like Texas teams. You like the boys because they're they're Dallas. You know, I'm sure you'll like any other Dallas team, even if it's uh, if it, even if it's an esports team. And I think that is the tone they should be going with. Not, hey, this is uh, the Cowboys like us because we're the Cowboys. It should be, you know, we're associated with the Cowboys. We're Dallas's esports team. Like, even though they like can't literally say that, like they could they could give the tone of that because if there was any sort of franchising deal, and you know they were like, hey, it's Dallas. A lot of times they'll probably look towards complexity because they're owned by the Dallas Cowboys. And I think I think the only reason we're not seeing that rhetoric pushed is because complexity doesn't compete in anything that is regionally based. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. all it's so a lot of the grassroots esports or like the ones that haven't transitioned over into like regional franchising and stuff like that. Right? Yeah, they're close though. They're I I think this isn't a bad thing. I would say it's a weird thing, but I don't think it's bad. It's just kind of weird to me. Yeah. But I mean, I'm glad to see Complexity doing stuff again because I liked the team back in the day. Uh, I used back to be in a the big day. fan. Of their- <laughs> yeah, I used to love their StarCraft team. They had a really solid StarCraft team. Um, they bought out Root Gaming, I think. Um, and they had a bunch of just NA boys, and I like them all. So I, I, I hope the team does well and does good stuff. And they're not, I hope they're a big team again. That'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. 
Sounds like we're kind of wrapping up on that, though. I don't think either one of you really have too much else to add on the Dallas Cowboys 2.0. Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently, apparently they're part of eSports 3.0. Apparently. Same difference. But what I want to kind of talk about another team that's not necessarily rebranding, but it's not even a team. I totally messed that up there. But Capcom is kind of branching out more into esports, I would say, and kind of putting a more focus on that in kind of a unique way. So Capcom had formed, a, I don't know if it's a subdivision or if it's a, its own entity um, called Capcom Media Ventures, um, and that's pretty much just going to focus on their esports and media licensing business. So pretty much what that means is a bunch of big words that pretty much Capcom is forming its own internal unit that is going to focus mainly on organizing esports tournaments is all that's going to be. So it would be kind of like if Riot Games organized its own entity called Riot Games Esports that focused only on the esports side. And it's just its own entity that operates by itself. It still obviously reports and talks to Capcom, but it just kind of does its own thing and they're their own entities. So it's, Christ, I wish Riot would. It's, it's a weird decision, but I think it's a really good idea. So if the person in charge doesn't care much about esports, they just want to make the bottom line. Capcom's a huge business. So obviously there's a lot of people in there. A lot of them just want to make the bottom line go up higher. So bringing in people that care about that side of Capcom and video games, the competitive side, focusing on esports and making that tournament scene really big, I think it's something really cool and something I'd love to see a lot more organizations do because esports is getting bigger, and obviously this is Capcom's um, response to that. But before I talk too much, what do you guys kind of think about it? No, I think this is good. I think any big brand developer should really like, or any big developer like for for, for games that are involved in esports or have multiple games that are involved in esports really should look at having like a specific division that is almost like separate to the main entity because I feel like some things will get convoluted in like as if as long as they're all kind of associated as one. But if you actually make a division separate for it, that really I think really helps things out and it gives it gives the community somebody a clear person to communicate to with their concerns in regards to esports vice. You just go into the corporation and being like, we got a problem with esports. And they're like, deal with Jim. Who's in nine to five, Monday to Friday. And he, him and like three other guys are on this. And now you have like an, oops, sorry, go on. But no, no, I was just gonna say, now you have an entire entity to deal with. Yeah. Which is good. And I think that kind of makes the point I was making before I go in and let talk, Dylan talk, but um, it's just different business goals. Obviously, as Capcom as a whole, they want to do nothing but make money, make more money. And that's a big entity. That's what they want to focus on. When you break out something separately, they can have different goals. Obviously, they don't want to spend billions of dollars and lose it all. But they want to focus more on engagement, getting more people playing competitive, getting bigger prize pools, things such as that. When you separate it and allow them to focus on things that are important to esports versus video game business, it's a very cool thing. It allows for a lot more growth. I think it could be really good. The one thing I really hope is they do. They are kind of like two different entities because honestly, Capcom is not good at doing their games. They're not good at the games part. They're not good at having people enjoy the games. The games are kind of poorly balanced. I'm being honest, like from a fighting game perspective, esports perspective, it's kind of only been getting worse. You know, the new Street Fighter game has just kind of been getting a lot of flack from it. It's not consi- like it's one of the premier games, but that's because it's Capcom and it's because it's Street Fighter. It has the name recognition. It has the players. It has the base mechanics. But is it a good Street Fighter game? Eh, eh not really. Uh, so it, but there is like small things that they could tweak 
to make it really good. And I hope that having a separate entity more focused on esports and knows esports rather than Capcom, who just they make games and that's what they do. They make games like esports isn't their thing and that's okay. But I hope that the separate entity to be able to kind of tweak the knobs here and there a little bit is a good thing. And I, I think it, it could do a lot of really, it could do a lot of good for the games, I think, going forward. Um, yeah. I'm really interested they, to see who the balance team reports to. Yeah, that is, that is a big question. And I would like to see the esports side of it do that. Like, that would be really cool if, like, they had this, like, small, like, I don't know, like, small group to at least, like, consult with and be, go to the developers and be like, hey, these things need changed. Like, these are the important things to change. And the developers, because they're more game focused and not player focused, they'd be like, yeah, totally makes sense. We'll take your word on it and do it. Yeah, like I said, I, I don't think there's anything we can really see as a bad side of this. Having a focused entity is always good, always allow for more growth because, like I guess, saying everything focuses on different um, key performance indicators, which is pretty much what's important to that business. So hopefully we see an uptick in Capcom with the tournaments they do, the prize pool. We might see something coming up. I think this was being announced that it was starting either the beginning of this month or maybe June 1st is when it was going to start to be formed. So it'll be a while before we see any repercussions, but who knows? Maybe in a couple months we'll be talking about the Street Fighter Franchise League. Obviously not, but who knows? Big things might be coming down the pathway there. But Dylan, another league that did start up recently it may not be the Capcom Street Fighter League, but what else is kind of going on? Yeah, so OGN is is coming through with a big league, which is kind of exciting. Um, so it's going to be called the OGN Super League, which for anyone who doesn't know, OGN is based out of Korea, super big in Korean esports. And I think it's called the OSL. Um, they're doing a lot of interesting things to say the least i'm kind of hyped for it because they were they were saying this is going to be games on pc mobile console and vr in vr, VR. yeah vr That'd esports cool. sounds cool um i want mobile esports to be cool unfortunately the mobile esports i've seen have been uh, so so i want them to be good i want them to be uh, amazing and, and and blow blow our expectations out of the water so hopefully this could do it but the one amazing thing about it is they're going to have a couple titles, but the one title, they announced one title. It's Dota Auto Chess. And that's super hype. I'm so glad they're going to have like a competitive auto chess because it's fun. It's fun. It's cool. It's interesting. Everyone's playing it. Why not make it a whole thing? Licensing must be really weird with it uh, I'm because a, it's I'm Dota and it's a Dota mod. Do you think they're just going to have their own Dota league as well not just dota auto chess no. they didn't say it no. i don't think yeah, they are so. i i don't think they're going to i think it's a little bit too saturated i think their model is going to be a first to market model they're going to go after the games that don't have leagues i think that's why they're talking about mobile and vr they're like people want to play these games they want to play them competitively let's fill that need by doing these games and i know mobile games they're incredibly popular here but I know competitive mobile games are in huge in Korea, like like from a competitive perspective. So um, I know a lot of the mobile games, esports that we've seen so far have been Chinese based. But, you know, this is a chance for it to expand out a little bit further. And who knows? Maybe we'll be playing some mobile esports soon. Clash of Clans, man. That was the, Clash the Royale. Clash yeah, Royale. Clash Royale. Come on. I, uh, yeah. The, no, Clash Royale is actually really popular. We had a couple local tournaments here in D.C. 
it, people go hard in it. People are go, go real hard in it, and they're good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's super cool. I. I don't know. I love VR. I want VR to get super big and super cool. So I love the idea of VR leagues. Yeah. Having there's some such there's so many cool games of VR and having some of those turn into esports leagues would definitely be something. And the idea of the closer we move to Ready Player One, the better in my book. But that's kind of the oh James, what do you got? Yeah, I was just gonna make a comment about no. Ready Player One, but I won't. I'll hold it. We can talk about that later, but what we do have is a couple of honorable mentions that each one of us just kind of wanted to quick bring up quick. Not too much really talk about, but all fun little things. Um, first off, Fortnite still is a big problem for not only kids, but apparently professional baseball players. The Boston Red Sox have banned Fortnite from their clubhouse now. I mean, not much to talk about, but that just goes to show that no matter how old you are, the game is addicting. It is obviously distracting. So I love seeing that, and that there's kind of an official story about that. Just kind of always makes my day. Yeah, and then we go to my favorite place in the world, the land down under, Australia. So for whatever reason, they had CSGO and Overwatch contenders playing on the same day in the same area right, right next, next door to each, to each other. other. Right next to each other. Um, it was actually where we first, we actually saw the Sydney Drop Bears actually dethroned for the first time in three seasons or something like that. Uh, Order, which is like spawned as a League of Legends team, um, was the ones that dethroned them. But that wasn't actually the hype part about this. The crazy part about this was was the CS:GO fans were so so loud. They were screaming "Fuck you, Overwatch! Fuck you!" I don't know what this weekend was of chance, but it was hilarious. So they were screaming that because Contenders was going on next door. So and you yeah. couldn't even hear the casters over, which I you liked. couldn't hear the casters. You couldn't hear anything. They the casters were like trying to talk, and the they were just the chants were going over and over again. It was great. I guess the final one that we have is, of course, my very own Washington Justice getting another W, their second one uh, at the end of stage two, and it was kind of hype because uh, it was the last game for Kate Mitchell. Uh, system manager and during during the victory she was uh quote unquote fist pumping so hard she dislocated her shoulder <laughs> she's all fine now it's back in apparently she this happens all the time sometimes it just falls out but it was kind of it was kind of funny because it's it was really hype because i was getting that hype too um if i had bad shoulders i would have thrown mine out but i thought it was a fun little story uh, a good way to Send send her off with the the final match in a stretcher is how they send her off yeah, in a stretcher. So there were some good memes around that, but she's okay now. Uh, she said she's all fine. Uh, one of my one of my friends actually has this problem too, of where he'll do things and his shoulder just like falls out, and he has to go to the <laughs> like he has to go to the hospital and get it put back in. Um, so like uh, we were we were hanging out one time, and I think playing tennis or something like that, and he goes up to reach and it just goes boom. It just like falls out. And he's oh, like, God. I got to go to the ER. I, <laughs> I got to put this back in. But just to point out before we kind of move on to the question of the week is that James and I didn't feel the need to have a story about our teams winning just because it's a little more of a commonplace thing. So just just wanted to chill out there, Mr. Getting your first couple wins. Jesus. I just wanted to point it out, but before we kind of wrap up today's show, that is honorable mention and the new stories. We do have a question of the week from a Reddit user, Shaft Cancel. 
So it's kind of based off a discussion we did a while ago, and we've talked about it multiple times, but we always say that sports sims and FGC are kind of their own bubbles, and we don't really treat them as esports. However, at the Game Awards, which we talked about last week, I mean, well, last year toward the end of the year, is Sonic Fox won esports player of the year over the likes of Uzi, Jonak, and other really well-known players. So his question kind of is, is how can we claim that they're not esports and say that they're their own thing and then still have an FGC player win player esports player of the year? I mean, I don't think it's inherently related um, is what I would say. Uh, do you know how the votes were cast? Um, was it a committee or was it open vote? It was open voting like because that's what but they're doing. For esports, it was committee. Yeah. Oh, okay. Committee. So even for the game awards, it was, it was by committee. committee. Yeah. So even if it was committee, that doesn't inherently say anything. Um, I mean, it's you know, fighting games are labeled esports all the time, and I would argue that fighting games do fall under the umbrella of esports, but I feel like there is a clear distinction in them. I mean, if you just look at Evo and you look at any other event, there's a different feel, especially if you're attending the event. Now, I would say FGC is slowly and probably inevitably moving into the area of just being another esport. Um, but I feel like the, the feel of it is still different. I mean, a lot of people for years have been labeling it as esports, and that's fine if you want to label that, Like, especially if you just say it's competitive gaming um, at the end of the day. I, I just I just do this distinction because I feel like it's different. There's a different feel. They conduct themselves differently, man. They carry themselves differently. It's a different like I mean, again, you have no teams, you have only players. It is a different it's a different it's a it's a different realm altogether. Yes, they like I agree with Dylan, they fall under the the umbrella of esports. But personally I didn't think I don't think Sonic Fox should have been done like given that award for other reasons, but it's I, I, I agree. I think they there is a clear distinction, but I think the general public agrees that they're all esports. So I and, guess why we get this. And I would say that Sonic Fox is definitely the exception. Uh, and that's why he got it just because he has such a unique personality. I would say that their uh, personality like Sonic Fox is very few and very far between. Not only just because he is a very um, colorful person, uh, to, to, to say it lightly very very type a but on top of that he's just good at every video game he plays <laughs> like that's yeah. also something incredibly important to mention the fact that he is a master of three different games is incredible like sonic fox is like in a league of his own in, in terms of like the fgc and stuff like he's he is definitely like a a one in a million kind of you know athlete i don't think we're going to see anyone like him anytime soon yeah, I think, and I think that's probably why he got it is because he does hold titles in like three different, three different, uh, three different titles. Yeah. yeah, three different titles and three different titles. You know what I mean? So, like, I think, and I, I like that. I think that's probably why he was given it. Uh, because you don't see, we see players transition from game to game sometimes, but we don't. Oh, we don't. We never see them be title holders in multiple platforms. Yeah, and I guess the one thing I'd say to kind of wrap it up after you guys are both saying is that I think. I don't think we mean by saying it's its own entity from esports. Obviously, esports is competitive gaming, and that's kind of a bad way of saying that. It's just how everything's labeled in esports is weird because everything falls under its own umbrella, but it all could be esports. Esports is competitive gaming. So when we say it's its own thing, I think we say and mean it's its own thing compared to 
very more similar kind of structurings and all that compared to Overwatch League or League of Legends or even CSGO because they're just structured differently. And I think that's because those are team-based versus individual-based. I think that's uh, where the question came from is that he was a little kind of more upset that we just almost dismiss it off as its own thing. First off, I think even someone in chat agrees that FG wants to be its own thing. They don't want to be considered everything. But I think we say it's its own thing because it's individual-based versus team-based, which means you look at it differently. And I think all of us are much more, we know much more about team-based versus individual-based, which is where that differentiation comes, why we put it on its own, because it's its own thing compared to what we know personally. Yeah. Go ahead, Dylan. Uh, Just to keep it short, um, uh, the the way I would like to describe it is probably that Overwatch League is a square, uh, League of Legends is a square, and FGC is a rectangle. At the end of the day, Technically, they're all squares and they fit all the same check marks of squares, but the rectangle has its clear attributes and it's very different. And though you can call it a square technically, you probably should call it a rectangle just because it does different things. Yeah. And just to just to kind of close on that, uh, FGC wants to be its own thing and we let it be its own thing. I think that's a big thing, too, is the three of us collectively recognize that FGC very much wants to be its own entity and we don't try and unenable that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And at any point, if I mean, I don't think the esports community is going to push them away saying, hey, we want to kind of structure it more similar to how other leagues are doing. That'll never happen, that they're very happy with how things are going. So I don't think that there's an elitist group looking down on the FGC, but I I don't think so. No, but so I just think when we say different is that we look at it in a different light because of how things are organized compared to everything else we talk about. It's very unique. But thank you very much for the question. If you do want to answer a question, pretty much submit it to us in any forms. Um, you can send it to us at contact at poppedoff.com. You can send it to us on Twitter. You can reply to the thread on Reddit, really however you want. Go ahead and ask the question, and we'll answer it to our best ability, even if it's on that show. We'll try to include it on in one of the conversations later on. So thank you very much for the question, uh, Shaft Cancel. But with that, that kind of wraps up everything we have to talk about there, but Thank you so much, despite the technical issues, learning about 5G and all that earlier on the show. We still had a great episode with absolutely no frames dropped, so apparently 5G doesn't make a difference. Good to know for any of you that do not know that. But with that, that is Project Esports for May 6, 2019. Thank you all so much for watching. Yeah, and guys, for all the people who had interact in the chat, for anybody who listens to us, as we go up on Spotify and all the other platforms that Dylan's going to list in a second. Um, we appreciate it a ton. We appreciate anybody who takes the time to send in questions. Those are, those are super meaningful for us because it gives us discussion that is outside of our normal discussion. So that's always appreciated as well. Um, so yeah, thank you for your continued support and make sure to leave the five star rating on whatever you do listen to, because that does help a lot as well. Leave the five G rating and we go live <laughs> every single Monday here at twitch.tv slash popped underscore off at 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. We usually have a pre-show and a post-show in addition to just the normal show. So you get extra time with the boys if you want to hang out and talk with us, ask us some questions. And then if you aren't able to make the live show, we also put the VODs up every Tuesday morning over at YouTube. Um, You can just search Popped Off or Project Esports and we'll probably pop up there. Um, Or on the best platforms, the ones that I like the most, the audio version, that's on all of them. I'm talking Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, uh, iTunes Podcast, uh, Podbean, Podmeme, Tumblr, Stitcher, 
uh, Pinterest, uh, Apple Watch. I think that's all of them. Let's get out of here before it gets too late for him. As always, I'm Andrew. I'm James. And I'm Dylan. And thank you very much for watching Project Esports. We'll see you guys next Monday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitch.tv. Popped underscore off. See you guys later.